listen to and for the word of the Lord as Jesus has just finished one of his craziest things that he'd ever done. Jesus was on his way from wanting to speak faster than my mind is going faster. Jesus was traveling from Nazareth to Jerusalem. And between Nazareth and Jerusalem, there was a place called the Hood. Sociologically speaking, it was the hood. Mixed people live there. They're not like us. Economically speaking, it was the hood. They were poor. And they did not mix with the other ones. So there was good old segregation back then. And Jesus, in in stepping out of his own little world, remember the phrase? Stepping out of our own little world. That's the series that we're doing this month how to step out of our own little world. Jesus, in stepping out of his own little Jewish world, did the undoable. He actually went through the hood. He spoke to a woman. No, no, no. Him being a Jewish man, you don't speak to him. By the way, that tradition continues. The other day I was at a family, and there was a family from a, a, a different tradition, religious tradition. And I looked at the lady, and I greeted her, and she got freaked out because I'm not supposed to greet her. I'm supposed to greet the husband. Yeah, that's okay. They're weird like that. That's okay. I can deal with that. So those days, you know, it happens today still. You're not supposed to speak to the women. Unless you're Belushi, I said, how much for the women? But I saw that movie this weekend. So, so he's there, and then not, not, not only he speaks to a woman, but he speaks to a lady from the hood, which is a no, no, no. And so he has a conversation, with, and we know we're talking about the lady, the, the lady at the well in Samaria, where Jesus and, and, you know, engages her in a wonderful conversation. And he's opening the doors. Jesus is opening the doors for her to walk into a beautiful place called the kingdom of God. And she's just throwing every rock that she can in the way, blocking it. No, because of this. No, because of that. And Jesus just gives it to her to such a point that he melts her heart with love and acceptance. And she runs off to the people of town that have regularly uh, rejected her and consider her not to be a lady of good reputation. And they listen to what she's saying. But it is here that we encounter the story because Jesus is by the well still and his disciples are coming to encounter him. And they see him speaking to a woman and they're a little surprised. And this is where we catch the story. Listen to and for the word of the Lord. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. (laughs) He's not hungry anymore. Then Jesus explained, no, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And from finishing his work. You know uh, the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters get paid wages and the fruit they harvest is, is people brought to eternal life. 
What joys awaits both the planter and the harvesters alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvests. And it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. The word of the Lord. You see, in, in his travel between Nazareth and, and, and Jerusalem, Jesus finds himself in Samaria, speaking to a Samaritan woman and offering salvation. The, result, the results are, were outstanding in the city. Jesus requests the same of us today. Wake up and look around. Exactly what he told his disciples. His disciples were concerned because he was actually dealing with people that he wasn't supposed to deal with. They ignored the presence of the woman there. They ignored the presence of the crowd. If this was the moment where the crowd was coming back to the well to meet Jesus, they ignored it all because they were supposed to be about the pastor. So they were making sure he had eaten. And actually, if you remember the story, the disciples had been sent away precisely to find something to eat, to go to McDonald's, go through a drive-thru, pick up the stuff, and then come over to the well where Jesus was at. However, Jesus stepped out of his own little world. Jesus may have thought the questions that Matthew West, the author of the main song that we are studying, that we are used for inspiration, my own little world, he may have said, what if there's a bigger picture? What if there's a bigger picture? Instead of me just going through the regular route where everybody, all the cool people, the decent people, go from Nazareth to Jerusalem, they skip Judahood. But what if there's a different purpose? What if there's a bigger picture? And I can actually go to the hood and make a difference. Jesus may have asked himself, what if, what if I'm missing out on what really matters? And instead of hanging out with his own Jewish bodies and, and hanging out with his, his cohorts, he decided to step out of his world and speak to this woman who had three no's against her. I wonder if Jesus also asked himself that he could be living this greater purpose right now? Well, you know, I don't have to wonder because Jesus answers those three questions right there in the text. Because while the disciples are concerned about Him eating, while the disciples are concerned about His physical being, Jesus is concerned about the will of God. Jesus is looking at the great opportunity He has right in front of Him. So I can have that pizza later, but look at all these people at the community dinner that I can talk to, that I can connect with. Oh, I can have that hamburger later, but look at all these people in the mall that I could connect with and just say, hi, how you doing? You dropped something. Oh, I thought it was yours. What's your name? Is that difficult to ask somebody, what's your name? Yes, it is. Come on. Be honest. Let's practice here right now. You have to, you're in your little island today, so I want you to hook up with somebody, connect with somebody, hook up in church, connect. <laughs> I'll clarify that. Okay? And, and, and tell them, what is your name? You may know the person's name, but I want you to practice. What is your name? What is your name? 
Very good. Ask me. My name is Edwin. Likewise. Go ahead. People don't stare at me doing it. This is practice time. We're interactive. I mean, I'm asking you, what is your name? Ask the question. What is your name? Very good. You see, one of the particular expressions that we find in church, very good. Oh, by the way, guess who made it to church this morning? Charlie Brown made it to church this morning. And, and, and uh, as you can see in the, in the cartoon, Charlie Brown is actually uh, uh, reading a book, but Snoopy is what? And Woodstock is doing what? But look, there's another Woodstock on the sheets. I've never seen two Woodstocks. That's very unique. <laughs> two Woodstocks. And this one apparently seems to be imagining what Charlie Brown is reading. You see, in, in, in Scripture, we find many, many times the expression of God's people asking God, Wake up, O Lord, arise. Do not slumber, O God. For example, in Numbers, we read the ritual that Moses, every time the people went before the Ark of the Covenant, for some reason, Moses would say, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them flee before you. Like if God was asleep. But many times of these rituals, the word arise, O Lord, is not so much for the Lord to arise, really. I think we say those phrases because we want to be ready when the Lord is arise. We don't want to be caught by surprise. Or is it that we really think that God slumbers, even though Scripture says He never sleeps nor slumbers? Do we really think that God disconnects from our life at any time of the day? I remember when I became a, a new Presbyterian pastor. Uh, this was hilarious because they were still using something called an invocation. Remember that stuff? Invoking who? To where? My awareness was that God is always with me. Why should I invoke Him? Maybe a call to worship for me to remember myself that I'm now, yeah. But an invocation of who? God is always present in our lives. The light is always there in our hearts. So that whole idea of invoking, it, it, it was nice. And guess who keeps it? My good old Methodist friends. They still have a... Prayer of invocation. I hope they're invoking themselves to be present in the moment of worship with God. He has been there all the time. But yeah, listen to this. Arise, O Lord. Rescue me. How many of you have said that? No, none of you have said that that nice. Hey, I need some help here, Lord. Is that how it sounds more like from our side? Okay, because these are poems, okay? So, so the writer makes it sound real nice, makes it look real nice. He says, arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Look at this nice phrase. I like this one. Slap all my enemies in the face. 
Look at this follow. This one kind of, uh, the following phrase kind of uh, points to the idea of how strong the Lord should hit them in the face because it says, shatter their teeth of the wicked. Bah! Shatter the teeth. And that's not how we say it these days, though. By the way, uh, you want to quote, you, you want to know what that is in Scripture? Uh, Psalm 3, verse 7. Now you know, okay. And then there is one. Arise, O Lord, stand against them and bring them to their knees. Rescue me from the wicked ones. We all have expressions of calling out to God for God to rescue us. We all have many ways, passive ways, active ways, quiet ways, loud ways of calling God's attention and asking God to come into action with us. We all call God to act on our behalf, don't we? That's why we're here, because as we believe we come closer to God, we then reap the benefits of God being closer to us. We then have some degree of guarantee that God is with us, and thus we don't have to fret or panic. However, likewise, in Scripture, we also see many ways in which God calls us, calls the people to be alert, to be awake, to rise up, and to be intentional about certain things. By the way, I never put the third one there. Just two. But God has called us. Look in Isaiah chapter 60. It says it beautifully. It says it beautifully. Arise, Jerusalem. Let your light shine for all to see. For the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Wake up. Wake up, O Zion. Listen to this one. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your beautiful clothes. Uh, I, I, that reminded me of Paul asking us to put on Jesus. Wake up, wake up, Deborah. Remember in Judges? Wake up and sing a song. Arise, O captives, and be free and worship. That's in Judges. God also invites us God also calls us to attention. God also invites us to attention. In our text, we see it very clear. Jesus is stepping out of his Jewish world, surprising his disciples by speaking to a Jewish woman and offending the religious leaders who heard the story, because everybody heard the story. Oh, it traveled quickly over there. Jesus demonstrated it by stepping out of his own little world, which became a true connection. You see, if we stay in our own little routines, if we stay in our own little patterns of meeting the same people every Sunday all the time, sitting in the same place, I sometimes will, I'll challenge you. How about some of you people who sit here this Sunday, next Sunday sit over here and get all those people angry? <laughs> so then they would have to sit somewhere else. Get me very confused. Come on, I challenge you. Get me confused. Wait a minute. What are you doing there? Wait, wait. Yeah. You know what happens is that's a practice. Like I ask you to, to say, what is your name? It's a practice of just getting out of your own little world and seeing me from a different perspective, seeing other members of the church. They, oh, I didn't know they were here. Oh, my God, I saw them somewhere. You see, we can truly see the needs and understanding of others' plight when we step out of our own little world just like Jesus did. He did not know any, Well, he knew about the women, but he showed himself there the Samaritan, and he was able to connect with her. He was able to minister to her. 
It was a no because she was a woman. It was a no because she was alone. It was a no, a third no, because she was Samaritan. And Jesus, in abandoning his religious constraints, putting his religiosity aside, putting his own tradition aside, for the sake of the love of God, he stepped out of his own little world. He told his disciples, wake up and look around. Wake up to the reality that we are called to minister to a community that's broken and is in pain. Look around to the opportunities ahead. When you encounter somebody, listen to this. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you have an accidental encounter with someone, eliminate the word accidental. Because if you carry the light with you, God is using you to connect with that person. And it could be as trivial as a, as trivial as a bender, fender, fender, bender, thank you. As trivial as that. Or as significant as meeting somebody in the order line next to you. That's more complicated than the fender bender. You're supposed to be there. You're stuck <laughs> for a while together. So see those opportunities as God given opportunities for you to share the light, to share a smile, to share a word of hope. Because the fields are ready, said Jesus, ripe for harvest. The harvesters, the harvesters are paid good wages. Uh, it's not talking about me. No. It's talking about the wages you get by being harvesters of, of, of the kingdom of God. What wages do you get? I'm not talking about the fire insurance. That's guaranteed. Your place in heaven. But what wages do you get from being in the kingdom of God? What blessings do you receive on a daily basis? What favors do you know you have on a daily basis by staying awake and alert and look around? Because the fields are ready. And what joy awaits to all of us as we collect the harvest that God has for us. Amazing. God has a harvest for us. So as we arise and shine and become Jesus in our community, as we touch lives, oh, let me tell you, they are messed up. You know how I know there are messed up lives out there? Because I'm one of them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're all in need of, of one another. Oh, I, I, I carry it, and I, you know, I, I like it. But this coming year, we're going to be encouraging each one of you to connect with five people throughout the year. Not just say hi and give them the card from the church. No, no, no. Connect with them in some significant and unique way that you haven't done before. And pray for them. And invite them for church. This morning, I was up at 5.30 in the morning because I enjoy the rain. It had already passed. But I was praying, Lord, wake them up. Wake them and bring them to church. Wake them and bring them to church. Wake them up. Quicken them. Arise them. Tell them to come. But it sounds like all of you made that decision last night. Because you all love Jesus Christ. Share Jesus with others. Let us pray. 
Dear God, we thank you for the wonderful ways in which you speak to our hearts, in which you comfort us, in the ways in which you challenge us, in the ways in which you're asking us to step out of our own little world so that we can be a blessing to the world in which you have called us. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust your word, that we can trust you because you are with us, in us, around us. And your spirit allows us, like those old broken bones, your spirit swept over them and put them together, and they became an army for your glory, O God. May we this year at Light of Hope, may we this year in each one of our particular homes proclaim your life, proclaim your ways, proclaim your journey through Christ our Lord. We thank you, God, for the people that are here this morning. We pray for those who are ill at home or at hospitals or are at a rehab center recuperating. You know their names. We know their names. We write them down in the worship guide so that we can be reminded of them throughout the week and pray for them. We thank you, Lord, for our country and, and for the peaceful transitions that we experience and we're a model for the rest of the world. But above all, we thank you for Jesus, who is the Christ, our Christ, our Lord, our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.